Welcome to P.S. Blossom, a podcast series driven by purpose and the belief that each of us has the power to transform the world for the better. We are here to be a catalyst for activism. We believe empowering individuals empowers communities. We also recognize that unless we engage in the issues of race, gender, and class within reproductive and maternal health, we cannot be a part of the solution. Our goal with P.S. Blossom is to empower all women, especially Black, Indigenous, and women of color, to advocate for their health care their way. These are conversations creating change. Please be sure to like, subscribe, leave comments, and share. So thinking back on the history, can you talk a little bit about any of the narratives or any of the stories that you heard about the process growing up? I grew up in Alexandria. And we had a, I would say, very robust sex ed program, the family sciences program where you take the baby home and (laughs) they could tell if you didn't take care of the baby. It was like a whole little system. I remember learning about my body and just learning about reproductive anatomy and learning about (laughs) STIs and sexual health. It wasn't something that at a school level was foreign to me. I grew up in the church. My grandparents raised me and my grandfather was a minister. So you always have this narrative of don't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't know as a young person was that my mom was a teen mom. You don't know that as a kid, but my mother had me when she was 19 and which means she would have gotten pregnant when she was 18. We didn't talk about sex in a way that wasn't punitive in my home, like sex is in, you better not get pregnant. You better not be having sex. And it was always like, oh, you sleeping too much. Are you pregnant? Or other wild sayings or statements or threats that families say to teenage folks. Like that was what I remember. Even though in school, there were these other conversations and whole experiences as a high schooler that you were having. When I was in high school, I worked in middle schools doing sex education with middle schoolers through a program, I would say, from high school interested in reproductive and sexual health. And even through college, spent time in middle schools. And even my first job out of college was with the AIDS service organization. My inclination was to kind of be curious and lean in and learn as much as I could learn as it was related to my reproductive health. I was one of those people that went to the little Planned Parenthood and got birth control, things like that, because that was important for me. I was very autonomous in that way and self-directed towards my own health. I took control over my health. But then there was things that you don't learn until you're adult because nobody ever told you certain things about your body. I was just having a conversation with a friend and I was talking about how many women and people have went through our workforce training. We have a segment in there around reproductive anatomy and how many people don't know the names of their body parts, don't know about their own reproductive anatomy, don't understand the human sexual response cycle. People who haven't ever really had an orgasm because nobody really understands there's a difference between when a woman has an orgasm and when a man has an orgasm. It's different. It takes a little longer. It's real different and it don't always happen the same way. You got to put some more work in. The knowledge that I have now, my own sexual health, even the messaging that we receive about pleasure starting young that those are taboo conversations. 
nobody talks about it in that way. Who's talking to <laughs> their teenage daughter about pleasure, about understanding your own self first, or young adult women, or queer, or people of reproductive capacity, and humans as sexual beings, are we normalizing sex and pleasure? Or are we saying, you better not, dot, 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 you better right. not be pregnant. In the work that I'm currently doing, in the life that I live, in the way that I parent, there's a lot of normalizing of their bodies. I'm like, we don't give our bodies names, say this is what it's called and this is what it do. No honeypots. No. <laughs> Having teenagers now, I'm like, are you curious? Do you have questions? Do you need a demo? I can pull out all of the demos <laughs> and show you. How do your kids react to that when you say these things? So my older son, he'll come and ask certain questions. And then, of course, parents, we always go too far. <laughs> Or I'll see them watching something and I'm like, don't be trying to sneak your watch stuff. We can have a whole sex ed class. Like, and they're like, I would rather do it on my own. No, thank you, mom. <laughs> this is my own observation. I do think it has empowered them to feel comfortable being able to come and ask questions and not have to like feel like they have to sneak around. There was a point which all teenagers get to that phase where they start looking stuff up on the internet. Right, right. Because now they can versus before can, you had they, to find a magazine. You didn't have no movie. internet, child. <laughs> like what internet? And so you have to use your imagination. It was a little period where they were getting curious mm -hmm. and my partner and I were very active parents. And so I'm going to track your internet history. I'm going to look, I'm going to be vigilant and give a lot of attention to what's going on in your life. We need to be more present during those adolescent years because they need us. They're coming into their own identity. We had conversations. We talked about internet safety. I didn't demonize it. I didn't make them feel embarrassed, but we talked about it and we talked about what's acceptable and what's safe but not from a place of sex is bad. But hey, if you're getting curious, here's a safe space where you can ask questions and then ask them, are you having sex? And they're like, no, we're not. And I'm like, okay, well, at the point that you decide, here's how you do this in a safe way. Uh -huh. But their school is actually really great. They have this like health values and ethics class and they do talk to them about <laughs> toxic masculinity child. They talk about all kinds of stuff. That school is, uh, listen, if only all So they talked the to them about, yes, my middle child called his brother out for me. He was like, you're engaging in toxic masculine behavior. <laughs> what? My heart, if that happened in my house, my heart would ex overflow with love and admiration. Their school, <laughs> their school does a lot. They have a lot of conversations with them about substance use, about sex, about healthy relationships, about gender expansiveness and normalizing curiosity. I deeply value that. In our home, we do the same thing. They have complete autonomy over their bodies. And so we don't force our kids to hug people, including me. You don't want to give me a hug? That's fine. You don't have to. I'm watching them and I'm like, man, y'all are so liberated in ways that it took me to become a young adult to get to that point. And watching my daughter and the confidence that she has in her body in the confidence that she has in her no mm -hmm. is really powerful to witness. For me, when we go back to like birth and reproductive justice, it's not just what I say and what I espouse, but it's what I integrate and live in my own life. It's an embodiment practice for me. Mm -hmm.
I appreciate that. And I'm sure other folks who are raising young people now appreciate (laughs) that too. I'm curious to know if you could speak a little bit more about Mama Toto Village and the work that y'all do there. Mama Toto is dope. (laughs) It is though. It is this wildly amazing feel good space of just amazing dope black people who are just brilliant. I say this a lot, so you may have heard me say this before, but Mama Toto was a dream. It was an idea. I hear you quoting Biggie. It was a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And dreams are just dreams. And so you have people who are willing to invest in them. And so for me, Mama Toto is a collective investment of Black folks who had shared dreams. We all found each other. We provide perinatal support services. That means care during pregnancy, birth, postpartum. We also provide family care to primarily Black women and birthing people in the district and in PG County. We also are deeply committed to growing a diverse workforce of Black folks who come from the community. We want the healthcare system, especially our clinical providers, to be more reflexive of the people who are being cared for. We really try to mitigate those barriers and be a stepping stone for people into obstetrics and midwifery and mental and behavioral health and clinical lactation and policy and all the spaces and places and tables where we need to be in order to advance justice and to achieve liberation for Black people in this country. We facilitate both a home visiting program called Mothers Rising that provides comprehensive wrap support. We contract with Medicaid managed care organizations in the district to deliver that program. And since starting that program in 2015, we have a 0% maternal mortality rate, which we are deeply excited about. And we've served a little over 2,000 birthing people. And we serve almost 10% of the Medicaid population in the district. And so the families that we serve have complex health and social factors. Not everybody, but a good portion of our clients are navigating a lot. And so to be able to achieve those outcomes pre-COVID, our breastfeeding rate was 91%. Oh my goodness. Um, is this initiation or is this, this like... Is, this is initiation. And it took a little dip during COVID as did data across the board, but right. data. But we were still been able to sustain those numbers. And recently when we've been looking at our no-show rates for our program, we do anywhere from 400 to 600 visits a month for our families and our no-show rate is about 3%. So our families are showing up. Our staff is showing out. (laughs) They are doing the work. They are boots on the ground. They're not just looking at the pregnant person through the lens of pregnancy, but they're really looking at all the aspects in this person's life where stability is needed well, wellness is needed and they're bringing possibility and giving people hope sometimes that they didn't have when they walked in the door when showing up as family and in a way of deep compassion and collective care. And then our workforce program, we train people as perinatal community health workers. It's a program that the co-founder of Mama Toto and I, Cassetta Pringle, she is in charge of our lactation programming. She is a IBCLC, one of the few Black IBCLCs in D.C. But her and I developed this training program out of a need 
that we ourselves were experiencing. So we worked as doulas. We ended up starting the doula practice together and just believed and felt that our doula training was insufficient. So we trained at a white-led organization in a weekend training. There was nothing cultural about that. There was no preparation for the community that we wanted to serve. We combined her training. She had training in health administration and physical therapy and lactation with my midwifery and therapy background. And we blended it all together. And now we're at this training that's a little over 161 hours with different pathways, depending on where people want to go. So if they want to be an IBCLC, they can come through and then take the lactation pathway. They want to be a midwife or a doula or another type of birth worker. They can come through the foundation and then take the birth pathway. We are currently working on building out an advocacy and policy pathway, as well as a pathway for perinatal mental health. And so that is our workforce work. We've trained almost 200 people through that program. Our trainees are currently midwives. So we have people who are currently nurse midwives, who are CPMs, a few people who are currently in the process of becoming midwives. So they're in school. We have two or three folks who are in medical school finishing up right now folks who are social workers and lactation consultants, and some of our trainees are working at other community-based organization and leadership roles there. So it definitely has been a significant stepping stone for people. In addition to our model, we intentionally hire our clients. And so we have several clients at Mama Chocho, several employees who were former clients who are now doing the work themselves. We're not just there as an agent, as a service organization. We're also there to economically invest in the community that we're caring for. Definitely of the community, from the community of the community, doing this community work. Absolutely. And I don't know how many other organizations do this work. Like you provide direct service to individuals, you and you do the workforce work across all these different pathways. That's incredible. Thank you. And you got kids and you're getting your doctorate <laughs> and catching babies. <laughs> yep. You're busy. Send help. <laughs> send a nanny. What did you say? Team do too much? What was it? I said send a nanny. <laughs> a all pair or somebody. Somebody. A granny, somebody. A grandma. SOS. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know we've covered a lot and it's been so helpful, so informative. I want us to wind down by seeing if you could give us information. I've heard you mention a few names throughout, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to know if you could list any other organizations or names or voices in the space that you really want to elevate if folks need additional information on any of these topics that were covered. Yes. I'm going to preface this now. Sisters and folks, if I forget you, it's not intentional. I love you. They know your heart. They won't be offended. So I mentioned. Jamara Amani, Southern Birth Justice and National Black Midwives Alliance down in Florida. Folks know Jenny Joseph, also in Florida. Ancient Song Services in New York and New Jersey. Shades of Blue Project, Kay Matthews. Root Restoring Our Own Ohio. Jessica Roach runs that organization. Also here in D.C., Community of Hope is the only freestanding person in the district led by Ebony Marcel. That is my community sister midwife. And Blossom, uh, no, sorry, the Bloom, not Blossom. I'm over here talking about Blossom. I'm like, shout out, shout 
<laughs> the, us two, the, us two. <laughs> the Bloom Collective in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Saida Prepa, I can't remember her organization, but she's out in California doing amazing work. Jama Birth Village and Uzazi Village are organizations in the Midwest. But obviously, Black Mamas Matter Alliance, you have Ambeck, who's doing the work. NAB is another kind of national organization. You've listed um, like 15 or 20 <laughs> organizations. <laughs> I can't even list 15 or 20 people off the top of my head just if someone were to ask. So, What people can do, though, is if you go on Black Mamas Matter Alliance, there is actually a page on the website where it lists all of the kindred partners. And that is they're all Black led organizations who are doing this work. And so I really do encourage people to go to their website to find those organizations in their community and uplift them and support them. That's deeply important for sustainability, for visibility. That is what I would recommend. The organization is Village Birth International. They're in upstate New York as well. That's who I was trying to think of. All right. Last couple questions. Yes. I know we were just on a light one. I'm curious to know, I can't leave the podcast without asking everything that's going on in the world right now, (laughs) the laws, everything's changing. We know that this has been a long-term battle. The recent Dobbs decision is not everything, but it's Mm -hmm. something. I'm curious to know how you're using the power you have to make a difference in all these spaces, given everything that's going on in the world. I'm using my power to grow workforce, (laughs) to infuse maternal health with people who are coming from a lens of justice that is coming from a liberatory space with people who deeply understand the communities that they are caring for. Using my power in the ways in which I am thinking strategically about building sustainability for Black-led organizations, obtaining high degrees, whether it's a master's or a doctorate, in one way it is self-serving, right? We have to be honest and acknowledge that. I don't put my degrees up. It's just a thing. Like they're in my drawer. In my heart of hearts, like it's a means to an end for me. I'm acquiring this knowledge so that I can bring it back to the community. The information that I'm learning, that I'm bringing it back to my sister organizations to help them continue to build power. I believe that my individual power is what it is, but it's building with other people. It's matching my power to theirs that allows me to make a greater difference and a more deeper impact. So that is what I am currently doing. I'm finishing up this doctorate so that I can work with organizations like mine to really help them be sustainable, to build sustainable mechanisms and frameworks so that they have longevity, so that we all have the capacity to do this work long-term, that we're not burned out that we're not killing ourselves to achieve liberation because that is what is happening. I want to make sure that that can be my contribution. I always say when I leave this earth, I hope that the lives that I have touched in my walk of life will go on and continue to pay it for it for generations to come. Being a good ancestor. Yes. Thank you. All right. Last question is where can we find you? Where can we follow you online? I actually do have an Instagram that I update sometimes. So on Instagram is Miss Nadari. 
And it's the same on Twitter. I usually post stuff about my practice, Blue Sage Midwifery as well. But you can also follow Mama Toto. So at Mama Toto Village at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on all three platforms. You can connect with us there. Stay up to date with the work that we are doing and see our beautiful staff and the work that they are also doing. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your time, appreciate your perspective, and more than anything, really appreciate the work that you're doing in the district. So thank you and beyond, to be clear, and beyond. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. We will see y'all, hear y'all, talk to y'all next time. Bye.